Well, listen, it is Next Gen Sunday, Next Gen Sunday, and so we like to put all the things all in one day, right? This is Mother's Day and Next Gen Sunday, which is basically Miss Lindsay Day, just so you know. (laughs) I'm a mom, and I spend all my life with teenagers. (laughs) I'm taking a long nap this afternoon, guys. That's my plan. I told somebody I bought a sheet mask for my face, Mm -hmm. and I hope I wake up before it fossilizes to my face later on today. But it is Next Gen Sunday and it is Mother's Day, and I am so thankful to serve at a church that being Next Gen committed is part of who we are. In fact, being Next Gen committed is one of our core values as a church. And I can speak with all honesty and say that this really is a value within our church because I've been here since I was the next generation. (laughs) I started here at 12 years old. I remember being Callie and welcoming people to church on a special Sunday. I remember being forced to do the dance moves. I'm still not good at those. I was never on rhythm, but I did it with a joyful heart. And when you're 12, things are cuter than they are when you're 40. But this church has always believed in the next generation. And for that, I am thankful. In fact, this is what our commitment is. This is what's written into our core values for us as a church. We believe that the next generation is the church of tomorrow and today. We believe they have a voice to be heard, and we should give them a platform to be seen and a place to serve. And we should give them a circle of love to equip, empower, and entrust unto them the ways of the kingdom. You know, this next generation is trustworthy with the things of the kingdom. I know that the media and everything else paints a a picture of this generation. They say they are leaving church by the droves. And I know that that is true, but that doesn't mean they're leaving the faith. And this is something we need to know. This generation will not settle for things that are not real. And they know God to be real. And they're waiting for a church that will prove to be real too. So I don't worry about this being a generation where faith dies out. That won't happen. But this generation really They are trustworthy with the things of the kingdom, but they want kingdom things, not a skewed version of those things. And so let me tell you something. If you need somebody to speak into your life, don't dismiss someone younger than you. This past week, Friday, we had graduation and I, I gave the commencement address. And it was a busy week, so I felt a little rushed. And after service, after the ceremony, Ivy Jane, who is seven, seven or eight, she came up to me and she said, Miss Lindsay, I just want to tell you, you did a really good job on your speech. (laughs) And you know what? That just meant the world to me. And in that moment, the Lord used a little girl to remind me that, hey, I've called you. You're good. Let me tell you something. There's a richness and depth to this generation. Do not be guilty of writing them off. That's just my TED Talk for today. All right, let's dig in today. I've titled this, this is Next Gen Sunday, Mother's Day, but I really, I felt like after Friday that this should be a commencement address. You know, commencement means new, starting something new. So at graduations, we do a commencement address where we address the seniors who are getting ready to begin a new journey. 
Well, I'm going to tell you what. I have felt very much over the past month that this really needs to be a new season for a lot of us. A lot of us really just need something new in our life. Not a new haircut. Not something new that we can buy. We need something new in us. A freshness, a stirring of the waters. Something to remove the stagnant from our life. We've been so busy just getting things done in a world that went from standing still to full speed. It's been hard to catch our breath. We're back to the grind and we've just been going. And I felt like that God really just needs us to remember who he is. And it's time for us to start a new season. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 15, we get every youth pastor's favorite verse. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example to the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given through the prophecy when the body of elders laid hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. You know, this scripture when I was younger was always something that felt like it was a command to young people, right? Don't let anyone look down on you. But then as I began to think about it, do you know that really back in the time this was written, teenagers weren't reading scripture? Who was reading scripture? Old people. (laughs) So as much as this is a command to young people, it's actually a command to old people. Because see, this verse says, don't let anyone look down on you. But it also says that young people should be preaching and teaching. That they should be leading. And I want to tell you something. There's so much divisiveness in the world. But as I began to meditate on this scripture, I felt like the Lord showed me part of the enemy's playbook. And I'm not really, um, y'all know me. I'm not, I don't get into a lot of like trying to over say what the Lord has shown me a vision, but I really felt like God showed me something on the enemy's playbook. And I thought he's got us so caught up in the divisiveness of, we think everything's about division of politics and power and all these different kind of things. But let me tell you where the enemy has come in and begun to divide in a way that absolutely cuts the power and, um, substantialness of God's army in half. He has begun to come in and cause division between the generations. He's become, there's become a dividing line, right? We have all these names for generations, the boomers, the millennials, the Gen Z, the Gen X, all these different names for generations. What does that do? It separates them into categories. It creates a division between them, right? If you didn't have to take your phone and do like this to call somebody, you don't know what life is. If you never had to put a quarter in a phone, you don't know anything, If you didn't get a page on your pager when you were late coming home, you don't know anything. Meanwhile, young people are looking at us and like, you can't even send a text message. You don't know anything, (laughs) right? You don't know what emojis mean. And there has become a division between the generations, a separation. 
And this scripture reminded me that it was written as a command to the young people, but also as a command to the older people that not only do we need to allow them to do these things, we need to be able to receive from them. Remember that scripture I said at the beginning from Psalms, it says one generation commends to the other of the mighty acts. The people of Israel began to fall apart when one generation forgot to tell the next generation about what God had done. When Josiah became king, the book of the law had not been seen in years. When it was found, he didn't even know what it was. And as soon as he read it and realized this is God's word, he set about putting it back in its right place. But a division keeps me from hearing you and you from hearing me. The enemy wants to divide the parents from their children, the grandparents from the parents. He wants to divide the generations because, like that song today about an echo, if you will begin to commend the good works of God to the next generation, instead of saying, y'all are a hot mess, if you will begin to say to this next generation, we were a hot mess and God brought us through. (laughs) If we can begin to commend the good acts of God in our life and begin to share from one generation to next the goodness of God instead of the putting down each other. Let me tell you something. There's nothing more powerful than an army of young people and old people because young people have energy and old people are tired, but we know how to do things. Let's just be real. I can tell a young person how to do something. Probably, though, I'm too tired to do it myself. Right? We need each other. And I just want to encourage you, one of the great things about New Life Church, this little church in the middle of Denmark, that this week the rain was coming through the roof and the birds were chirping and it sounded like we were in the Rainforest Cafe. But out here in this little place, there's something so special. That we have an assistant associate pastor who's over 70. We won't say anything. <laughs> who's over 70. Who sat today, stood today, and was led in worship by five-year-olds. And he worshiped. He remembers when they prayed for this generation. He, at 70 plus, prayed for this generation to have a next generation. And so here he is. The word tells us if you can get it to the fourth generation, you can get it to a thousand. And in this church, we have already seen a fourth generation begin to rise up for the things of God. I don't know where this church will be in a thousand years, but I know that these people will be in eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ, worshiping God, because the generations, all races and ages, 
laid aside everything and said, I receive from you. You receive from me. I acknowledge the God that is inside of you. You acknowledge the God that is inside of me. And together, where two or three are gathered together in your name from every age and every walk of life, there you are in the midst of me. Let me tell you, we are a church that is next-gen committed. But next generation, you need to start looking towards that older generation and learning from them. An older generation, look to them because they're walking through some of the most unprecedented times in the world. And they're keeping the faith. And they should be commended. Let us see the enemy's plans for what it is and let us disrupt them. We will disrupt the enemy's plans. Having people who are of an older age be able to receive from young children is a disruption to the enemy's plans. A commencement address for us all. It's a new season and a new era. I have four things I want to share with you today, and I'm going to talk faster than normal because I want us to get done. (laughs) Sorry, Pastor Prentice. I want to talk fast today, and I want to get into the word, and I want to help us set forward a new era today, a new season. All of us are in need of it. No matter your age today, it's time for a freshness, a stirring of the waters. The first thing that we're going to see in this new season and a new era is a commitment to work it out. Work it out. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you and will, to will and to act to, in order to fulfill his good purpose. I love this because it says, as you have obeyed in my presence and without my presence. We got cameras here at the school recently. Oh, let me tell you, it's real interesting to find out who obeys in your presence and out of your presence. I've been in the office sometimes, look on the camera, I'm like, what? I wonder what they think they're doing, right? When you look in the cafeteria and somebody's standing on the island, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. In my presence and without my... Then Paul knew what he was talking about right here. He said, continue to obey the Lord. That means with me and without me. Let me tell you something. This is a season where we have got to begin to work out our salvation together and on our own. If the only time you're wrestling with your faith, if the only time that you are seeking after God is when you are here, it's not going to work. You are going to have to work out your salvation. You're going to have to make a commitment to work through the big questions, the hard things. Because it says that we work out our salvation because he is working in us for his will, for us to act for his purpose. There is a purpose for your life. And there are things that God has called you to do. And for you to do those things, you must have worked out your faith and know who God is to you. You have got to work out your faith, young and old alike. And I will tell you, I have seen some young people, specifically some of these graduates, who have wrestled with God openly. They've asked hard questions. You know, it used to be when you would say, hey, what are some crazy questions you have about the Bible? 
one of them, I won't say who, one of our glare youth, his question was, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? That's a fun question, right? <laughs> but then others of them would say some questions that were like made me, whew, I don't even know if I can Google that. These kids are asking deep questions about their faith. What happens if this happens? Does that mean that God isn't really who he says he was? I experienced this. Now I'm questioning God's love. They have wrestled with their faith openly. And I'm going to tell you what. They're one of the first generations to openly wrestle with faith. For too long, the church has come into this building with the attitude that we are good. And we know that we have been at home and we have been unsure of God's goodness. But we've been so afraid of what others think that we have not admitted that we're struggling with where we are with Christ. And so we've just pretended to be good. Let me tell you something. This generation is not doing it. Don't ask them if they have questions about God unless you're ready. Because they're not afraid to ask. Thank God. Let's break that cycle of pretending to be good when we're not. We have got to work out our salvation. And it is a process. I discover something new about God all the time. And I have new questions for him almost daily. We have got to work through it. Listen, in this season, don't settle for mundane faith. Have a faith that wrestles. Have a faith that works. Because God has a purpose, he has a plan, and he needs you, so you better work it out. Number two, breath and boundaries. Breath and boundaries. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 26. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by man, by human hands. And he is not served by human hands if he needed anything, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. I want to tell you something, next generation and all of us who are in our generation. Confidence comes from knowing this. A true sense of confidence in who you are comes from knowing that you are only dependent on God and that he is truly your only source. And it is him who puts you here and now. No one can step to you and say, you don't have a right to be here. Well, let me tell you something. It is God who breathed life into me. It is God who appointed my time and location. He set my boundaries. If I am here, it's because he has allowed me to be here. And so I will be confident in who I am. Young people, you need to be confident in who God has made you to be. Don't let anyone tell you you're not capable. Don't let anyone tell you you're not worthy, that you won't amount to anything. It is God who chose when to plant me in time. It is the Lord who put breath into my lungs. He is my only source. It is only him who I am dependent on. And while I appreciate your opinion, it matters little in the scope of who God says I am. 
So I will know that my breath and my boundaries are established only by God. And I will walk confidently in who I am. Let me tell you, there's some grown people in here today that the Lord says, I want you to stand up and pull your shoulders back and lift up your head because I put you here. I put breath in your lungs. Walk confidently in who I've made you to be. I don't waste my time and I don't make accidents. This is your time. This is your season. Number three, reach, find me. And continuing on in that section of Acts in verse 27, It says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. I want you to listen to this first line. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach for him. The desire to seek God is in each and every one of us. In Ecclesiastes, it says he has placed eternity in the human heart. We will always, as human beings created by God, seek for God. But the choice comes in if we will reach for him. This is where our choice comes. Will we reach for him? This is a choice. Everybody seeks, not everybody reaches. But when we find him, we find our being. To find you, you find God. I said this to our graduates on Friday. If you want to know who you are, when the world tells you to find yourself, find him, you'll find you. Find him. Find who he is. The more you know God, the more you know who you are. You were created in his image, in his likeness. You are his offspring, You don't have to 23 and me. You don't need a map telling you where from you came. That's cool and all. But that's only your physical fleshly body. It is your soul and your spirit that was birthed by God. And that desire for wondering what else is out there, what more is there, that seeking that the world has done and continues to do. They are seeking for God. And they may not even know it, but we have a choice. We know who we are seeking. Now we must choose to reach for him. And this, young people, this is what will set you apart from the other generations around you. This is what will set you apart from those who choose and walk away from their faith and those who do not. Will you make the choice to reach for God? Will you make the choice to find him and find yourself in finding him? You have to make the choice. This is a season, a new season of faith. We're working out our salvation. We're holding true to who God has made us to be. And we are seeking and we are finding him. Number four, as we begin to wind this thing down. Yourself and the hearers. After that little beginning part of 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verses six, verse 16, it says, Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Preserve them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and hearers. You got to preserve your faith. You got to hold on to it. You got to anchor yourself. Young people, so many of you are getting ready to step out of a bubble into a world that doesn't appreciate you, 
doesn't believe what you believe. You're going to face some tough questions. You're going to have to answer some tough questions, not only to other people, but to yourself. You are going to have to make a decision to hold firm to what you believe. Now, there will be things about what you think and have always thought will change over time, and that's okay. But you have got to keep at your core, I was created by God. A God who sent his son to die on the cross for my sins so that because of the work that he did on the cross, I have full access to Jesus Christ and I will spend eternity with him. There is no question. There is no doubt. I hold firm to that. I watch my faith and I know and keep it close at hand because the more I am confident in what I believe, the more the people around me will trust and know that there is something more than just some flaky beliefs. It's the core of who we are. There's a couple things that I've learned from our graduates. I was thinking about the five young people who graduated this year. And these are two specific things that I've learned from these five young people. Ask hard questions openly and bravely. Be yourself and love others' selves fully. On Friday at graduation, Ruby shared a speech and I've highlighted this quote that I want to share with you. If you don't know Ruby, you're missing out. There is no fakeness in her. She is one of those who has asked hard questions openly and bravely. This is her words. I understand that it is time for a new chapter, and I know God has prepared me for it. I'm happy to say that this is the closest I've ever been with him, and I haven't always been. And it's okay to not be in a good place with God. People sometimes make you feel like you're not allowed to say you're struggling, but know that it doesn't matter how far you feel from him, you will always find your way back. (laughs) One generation commends to the next. Whatever we do in word and deed, we do it in the name of the Lord. I don't care what career path that you're on. I don't care how much money is in the bank. I don't care if you had bigger dreams for yourself and this is not where you expected to be. That's okay. Today, no matter how old you are, no matter how close to God you feel or how far away you feel, Today, the Lord wants you to know that it is always time and never the wrong time for a new season. Today, we can make a commitment that says, I'm going to dig in a little harder to my faith. I'm going to make a commitment to work it out. Those tough questions that I've had, I'm not going to dismiss them. And I'm also going to not use them as an excuse to just dismiss God. I'm going to seek it out, wrestle with it, work in my faith. 
This is a season for you to say, no matter what life has thrown your way, what disappointments that you've had, this God has given you breath in your lungs and he has put you where you are and he is not unhappy with you or disappointed with you. He sees you, he spoke you into existence and he has a plan for you. This is the breath he gave you. This is the place he sat you. Be confident in who he's made you to be. Stand strong. Work out your faith. Lean in who God has made you to be because this is a new season of faith. And as Ruby said, just because you're struggling, don't let that get you down. Because if God is in you, you will always find your way back. Amen? Amen. Listen, as we close out today, I'm so thankful for the privilege that it is to serve in this church with the next generation. Not that I don't like you people over 20, but let me tell you something. These young people are pretty phenomenal, and they keep me on my toes, and sometimes they keep me up late. (laughs) But this is a wonderful group of young people. There were a lot of days I did not want to go to church. I grew up in church. There was a lot of days I didn't want to go. And here at this season in my life, it has never occurred to me to regret any moment that I spent in God's house. Even the messy ones. Man, they're worse than messy ones. Young people and old people, I want to tell you really quickly today because I feel like that maybe there's some people that need to hear this. I have served in church my whole life. I became a youth leader at 18 years old. I've been on staff for 11 or so. My grandfathers were both pastors. Church can hurt you. People can hurt you. I've been disappointed by people who were leaders over me. And as a leader, I know I have disappointed people. And it seems to hurt more when it comes from people who represent God. And so I know what it is to be hurt in God's house. But I want to tell you today, first of all, I'm sorry if that's you. I'm sorry if you've ever been hurt by the words that myself or somebody else in the leadership position in God's house has said to you or actions to you, I am sorry and I want you to hear that because nobody may have ever said it to you before. And there may be things that you've dealt with that you've never even shared with other people before. And I want you to know today that I'm sorry if you've been hurt in God's house. This is an imperfect place because it's made up of people. But right now, I promise you this place will never be perfect. I know it will never be perfect because I know I'll never be perfect. (laughs) And I'm here all the time. (laughs) But don't dismiss the goodness of God for the mistakes of a human heart. Don't dismiss and throw away the salvation that you've worked hard for. 
don't throw away the purpose of your life because you are hurt by someone who was frail and imperfect. Don't let anything that someone or some place has done rob you of the richness of a life not only with God but in the circle of his people there will always be failures and people will always make mistakes but God is always good and open your eyes and see that there are people right here in this place today whether we know you or not who love you and today God wants you to know I see you I see every hurt. I see every wrong thing that was spoken. Every moment where someone tried to rob from you the sanctity of your existence and the value of your life. God sees you and he says, I have chosen you. It is me who put breath in your lungs and established your boundaries, not anyone else. It is his salvation that he gives you. Your salvation does not come through anyone else. It comes only through him. Work it out. Give him a chance to restore what was been stolen from you. In fact, it says in his word that he will give back everything that was stolen to you seven times. So I want to tell you today that there are some people in here that the enemy robbed faith from you, but God is going to restore faith to you and not just the faith of your youth, but a faith that is seven times stronger than it was. And there is a world of people who have been hurt by so many things and they need to know that healing is possible. Wholeness is possible. God is good and his people are good. And you can find safety and security in the hands of God and in the hands of his church. One generation commends to the next. God is good. His house is good. It is good for you. Let us be united together. Can I pray for you today? After I pray today, we got two more amazing young people who are going to come and close us out. God, I thank you for each and every person who is here today. I just feel so deeply in my heart that there's some people who heard my words today and just aren't sure it's for them. So Lord, today I just pray that you would do what only you can do. That you would get deep down inside our hearts where you live, where you have access. Lord, today with every breath that we breathe in and out, may we be reminded that it is you who gave us breath, you who gives us life. God, I pray today that you would give us the courage to begin to wrestle with the hard things in faith. Let us work out our salvation with you. May we start, commence a new journey. May we commence and begin a new season of faith. No matter our age, it is you who have a plan for us and you who have set the boundaries of our days. We trust you, God, and we commend to each other the goodness of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.